All right, everyone. Welcome we to the like halftime the show. Before it has uh, we get to go Jay, over a lot of the action that we just saw in the first half. It's very difficult. Nate Burrell said I can't hear you at all. Looks like Boomer Esiason's trying to talk and tell us something. Alabama, just talk into your mic. I'm sure the audience will know. That's how we do. How we do. He's distracting it all. Moving right along. I'm glad that our producers didn't think that. About the fact that a halftime show—I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I I couldn't believe they didn't just go to commercial and say, "All right, well, let's try this again after the fancy like Walker Hayes song." It was. Yeah, if anyone didn't get to watch any of the halftime shows, God, you you missed out. I mean, it it was a gem. (laughs) It was basically exactly like what we just had right there. I mean, it was literally. They were trying to talk about the first half action and Boomer was trying to like respond <laughs> to his, you know, colleagues that are right next to him. It was so and loud. No one could hear anybody because it's the halftime show just blasting. The Walker Hayes fancy like halftime show. And the the best part was, was they just, I think that the guys on the set kept thinking like, oh, okay, well, they're going to eventually just say like, go to commercial, but they didn't. Right. Like they, so no, they I kept know. like, kind of like awkwardly, like, um, I guess I'll keep going with my point, even though you can't hear you. And if you were in the stadium in in, in Arrowhead, you would have had no idea. Like this was you're just watching oh, sure. the have you were just watching the Dina you know, Walker Hayes the show. Like you had no idea. But if uh, on TV, it was one of those things that was so awkward, so funny, and it just was you felt so bad for those guys. And uh it was talk about a blunder, talk about just like uh a absolute a brutal, brutal moment for the CBS broadcasting team. Yeah, not an ideal way to run the, the production there. That's definitely not something clearly oh. that they anticipated. Uh, you know, I was at work. Uh, and we had, you know, the the TV on in the background and the audio going. And so, like, you know, it was I noticed it because it was interrupting, like, my, uh, you know, listening to the yeah. to the game. And, and the and so I was like, wait, are we do we have something weird where, you know, sometimes you have the background audio uh-huh. up too high? And I was like, no, this is this is just them. It's the national broadcast. So, are you a CBS affiliate or are you we are? Yeah. We're oh, OK. Well, yeah, yeah. Listen, you got to so, make that was call. on our channel. Make a call. Um, I mean, <laughs> we couldn't do anything. Not a call, I swear, please. Don't call our station. Send your angry tweets to at Dan Vasco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. yeah. I can take care of all of those. But um, yeah, that was certainly uh, one of the funnier moments in an otherwise, uh, once again, entertaining weekend, championship weekend this time around of the NFL. So welcome, everyone, to the Football Lounge on what is going to be our second to last game recap of the year of course we have the super bowl coming up in a couple weeks um i don't think we're going to be doing too much of a a breakdown of the pro bowl i'm just going to guess that we're not going to be going too in depth with all no. of that next week i am That's excited be, yeah i think there's going to be more of the big time players showing up to the pro bowl this year because it's in vegas like yeah you know yeah. you saw them show up to hawaii because i think they all appreciate again their family the free trip to hawaii orlando the past couple of years it's been like cold rainy it has not been like, you know, I guess you could sell the family and we're going to Disney World if you got the kids. But I think a lot of uh, 
I think a lot of the guys, the players could appreciate, Hey, the free trip to Vegas with the wife, leave the kids at home for the, uh, for the weekend and the single guys for sure are definitely going to be showing up to the pro bowl and enjoying it. You think Tom Brady will be there? I'm uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess. No, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and guess. No. Well, you put some great numbers he... and then retires after the pro bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Play his final game in the no. pro bowl. Throw yeah. eight touchdowns or something. Him and Gronk both just go light up the Pro Bowl and then yeah. retire. <laughs> yeah, so much, man. I mean, that that obviously the Tom Brady news uh, coming down was just one of the several, several things that kind of broke out this week. So Crazy weekend. Us, it's more like, uh, you know, uh, pick and choose. So basically how we're going to go through the, the show today, since we have so many of these items to touch on, is we'll, of course, break down the action from this championship weekend, kind of discuss the games a little bit. Then we'll get into, uh, you know, some of those breaking elements, a couple of retirements being announced and then um, head coach firings and, or I'm sorry, hirings as yeah. well as uh, GM hirings across the league, as well as we kind of get some traction on that front with most teams being out of contention at this point of the year. So a lot to touch on obviously uh, today. So we'll try and make this as fluid as possible, but before we get into it, Mark, I do want to say, since we'll, we'll be diving into uh, the 49ers Rams game, as well as the Bengals and the chiefs. Um, Robbie Goldman has been a gem, obviously for bears fans right. been a gem, yeah. uh, for many years. And uh, you, you root for success, even though the bears let him go unwisely several years ago. Uh, he's obviously been a pivotal part of, of their team's success. But if you guys haven't kind of checked out, um, some people on Twitter particular, because I don't think the broadcasts have mentioned this much, at least from what I've seen. But Robbie has a very specific way he goes about doing his uh, kicks, his practice kicks in before the game. And he doesn't care at all. The guy gives no fucks about yeah. um, where he's kicking, at what time he's doing it. It started, at least on my radar, for the Green Bay game in Lambeau, um, where he was... Uh, doing the uh, initial kick. Let me see if I can pull it up here. So the first one is actually at the Cowboys game. And it was in between. It was like he was stuck in between two rows of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. It's always like it's always right before the game and right before the start of the second half. He's out there religiously and he has his his um, method of doing things. And normally it's not really a big deal. But during these playoff games, there's extra things at halftime. There's more stuff going on. And so it, it keeps getting noticed before the game and during. But the first one was at the Cowboys game. He was stuck in between rows of cheerleaders trying to get his kicks off. And he just does. He's like, listen, I'm getting my kicks. Uh, you got to work yeah, around yeah. me here. Yeah. And then what, uh, like, um, Green Bay was turning on to it was the, the Green Bay one because the, they're introducing the team and the whole team yeah. is running out onto the field. <laughs> and he's kicking over the players as they're running, being introduced. Yeah. Gold, gold for Gould. Uh, he did it once again. Uh, this past week with the Rams only this time it was like the defense like trotting out or maybe it was the group of captains or something yeah it's a group of like eight players out there and he's just kicking right in front of them like Joe and Troy did Amazing. make a mention of it during the during the uh the okay. broadcast last night because it, it was started yeah. catching it was one of those viral things it's you know hilarious. Robbie Gould what I loved the most was that after he made that kick uh, against Green Bay and it went viral we didn't talk about it lot last week's show because it started going viral in the middle of last week there's audio of Jimmy G who grew up in Arlington Heights outside of Chicago as a Bears fan yep. who, and, and obviously Robbie gold. Um, he grew up watching Robbie gold kick for the Chicago bears and was very much. So, you know, still has that kind of hatred for the Packers. 
And, you know, you, you kind of hear this from guys in the league, you know, who sometimes end up playing for a team that they either rooted for or end up playing for a team that they despised. When they're on the team, it's different. Like you, you, they're not yeah. going to purposely sabotage. And then they find a love for that because, hey, the paychecks and you want to, you want to win football games or whatever it may be. But uh, he, you know, uh, Jimmy G went up to Robbie Gould and was like, you're a legend, man. Like, fuck the Packers. Like once, you know, kind of once always hating the Packers, always hating the Packers. And uh, I thought that was a really fun moment between those two guys. And you know what? I, I got to be honest. Uh, we said on the show last week, I'm not sad to see the Niners run end. Um, but Robbie Gould was one of those great kind of really great storylines of the postseason. He's still, to my knowledge, perfect in postseason play in his career. And, uh, and just another another great example of, of why Ryan Pace deserves to be not working as a general manager in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know that they're not uh, the biggest impact players, but just kind of imagine maybe where the Bears would have been had they kept Greg Olson and Robbie Gold. Like, well, those are you know, yeah. You, you legend, not, yeah. Obviously, Greg Olson was, was years earlier, yeah. but, you know, you, you don't have the double doink. Maybe uh, Olsen and Cutler end up having a really, really good, you know, oh, yeah. relationship together uh, for years. And uh, yeah, it's just it, fun stuff to think about. Sure. Greg Olson but, is uh, the, is the, is the epitome of an NFL that no longer exists in the sense that move from the bears. That was still when coaching was about, you hired an offensive guy purely for their scheme. And they literally traded Greg Olson, even though he was, one of the best young tight ends in the league because, oh, well, Mike Martz's offense doesn't use tight ends, so who cares? Right. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, no, just, you know, you could line Greg Olson up as a wide receiver and, like, he was like Travis Kelsey before Travis Kelsey, the way, especially early in his career, the way he ran routes and burned people, eye people at the U uh, coming out of Miami. No, I mean, that is, you're absolutely right. You, it's funny, and, I mean, every team, every fan who's a team of bad franchises, you just know there's every, every franchise has moments and players and coaches that got away. The Washington football team knows more than anyone. They they will forever show the graphic graphic of Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? You just always, yeah. uh, when you're a bad organization, you have to live with stuff like that, and uh, and the Bears do. And we'll talk more about the Bears, obviously, later in the show with uh, Eberflus. And, uh, and uh, yes, uh, our Twitter followers making fun of me because I talked about how it's going to probably be Matt Eberflus. I'm going to be pissed. And, I'm not pissed, but I'll explain all that later in the show. For sure. For sure. Yeah. By the way, one of those that got away, Johnny Unitas was cut by the Steelers. So oh, there's yeah. That. There's that. Um, yeah. So let's get into it, Mark. Obviously, an, an exciting uh, weekend to determine Super Bowl 53. And uh, here we are. Here we have ourselves. Or no, 53. My goodness. 56. 56. Good Lord. Um and it was the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, one of those teams that uh, probably shocked the world for being in the AFC championship. Now, granted, uh, you know, the 49ers were a lower seed as well, but I don't think people were as surprised that they were in the position they were in. Yeah. Cincinnati was like the Cinderella team of this postseason run coming up into a, you know, dogfight with the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, all of the surrounding things. I mean, you and I obviously picked Kansas city to win this game. I picked them to win by double digits. I, I thought it'd be close early and then Kansas city would pull away and and not really make it much of a contest. But in reality, Mark, what we got was Mahomes again, that something we've seen, you know, early this year and in pockets where he goes through these waves in game where he'll be really sharp for two quarters and 
you know, teams adjust and yet the, the chiefs aren't adjusting with that. And Mahomes makes one or two mistakes there. You know, I don't mean to put it all on him, but in my opinion, Mark, this, this is mostly on Mahomes. Um, and, and I'll describe kind of one other huge issue I had with them, but to me, Mahomes kind of blew it. And that, that interception to the defensive lineman in the second half there to me was the, you know, one of the most pivotal plays of the game, if not the most pivotal play. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's weird to say, but I do think it's accurate in saying that Patrick Mahomes is a, was a large problem in this game. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been an incredible, incredible story. This is his fifth year in the league, fourth year of the chiefs in a row as a starter. You know, he started four years uh, after sitting his whole rookie year behind Alex Smith. And every year he's got the Chiefs to host the AFC championship game. And this was the first time. And this was the first time in any of these big games, playoff games um, or, or, or uh, big regular season games to like that were really meaningful to like for playoff positioning um, uh, Super Bowls, where you can honestly say he did not play well. He did not play well. And he was at fault. Uh, part of the reason why the team did not win the game. Uh, you can't criticize Patrick Mahomes. I've been saying it all morning. You know, I live here in uh, right on the Missouri border, and this is uh, you're closer to St. Louis, but ever since the Rams left, this has really become Chiefs country. My station, actually, 97.9 Kick FM, we, we are the radio home in this whole market for the Chiefs. Chiefs are huge here. And I've had, you know, it's been fun moving down here almost three years ago at the rise of Patrick Mahomes. It's been painful as a Bears fan because it's that, Oh, the Bears could have Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Trubisky thing, but you, you've been, you've just been, we've been treated to a guy that just in the moments, the big moments, has always played well. That Super Bowl last year, you cannot blame Mahomes. We all know he was asked to, to do what you know. He was asked to try to perform miracles in that Super Bowl last year in Tampa against a world class defensive line with a completely rebuilt in last minute backup offensive line. I mean, it was a disaster for him uh, and the numbers showed, but I think, I think you're absolutely right in saying that we've seen it in pockets, but this is the first time in the, in the big game with the lights bright that you can honestly say, and you're not being overly critical. Patrick Mahomes was one of the reasons why they lost this game. He did not play well uh, from really the, uh, the, the end of the first half on with that bad decision-making uh, late in the late in the third, second uh, second quarter in the goal line stand, I love the call to go for it to try to score the touchdown. Hated the play call and hated the decision. You know, a lot of people locally here in the area, hardcore Chiefs fans, are like, well, don't blame Patrick. A lot of there was bad play calling in the second half. Well, listen, do we blame Josh McDaniels when Brady would struggle at the end of his career in in, in uh, it, or even the middle of his career? In, in uh, New England, no, no, no. When you're that good and you're considered the best quarterback in the league and you we were praising Patrick and Travis Kelsey for doing the whole, like, go Kels, go Kels thing against the Bills, that's on him to know this is a bad play call. I need to get my team into the right position. Peyton Manning is a Hall of Famer and one of the top three quarterbacks in the in the history of the NFL, in my opinion, because after that two second or third year in the league, he then became the best quarterback of all time at saying, no, 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 no. We need to be doing this. I don't care what the play call is. Do this, do this, do this. Patrick Mahomes has done it in the past. We've seen him do it. 
And that didn't happen in the second half against the Bengals team that adjusted. The Bengals defense deserves a ton of credit. Uh, They really did play well. But overall, Patrick Mahomes was tight. He was inaccurate. He made bad decisions in the second half. And uh, he deserves criticism from his own fan base and from us on the way he played in this game. Now, that doesn't mean that he's still not – he would still be number one overall on my board of quarterbacks that I would take in a fantasy draft of like, hey – you're building your team right now of all the players available. He still has earned that right to be at the top of that podium. Uh, but I think the gap is starting to shorten, too, between some guys in his own conference, especially. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that front. And uh, that's just what comes with the territory, man. Uh, you, when you're this good, you're going to get praise a lot of times, and you're going to have to, you know, weather the storm. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's been really good at the mic and – uh a leader. So I'm, you know, not surprised in, um, in, in any, you know, mature handling of the situation, he'll take it on the chin and he'll move forward and they'll find a way to be better. But the thing is, you know, there's a pocket of time as well to kind of capitalize and, and take advantage. Um, this has been talked about since, you know, Mahomes became, you know, the next, you know, huge thing was that, Time's going to run out. Money's going to run out eventually for this team. And so Travis Kelsey's not getting any younger. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill, yeah, he might be around for a little while longer. Uh, but they're going to have to, you know, find ways. They've done a lot of patchwork with their offensive line. Now they drafted well last year on that front. So maybe that'll give them kind of help extend this window. But that's the thing. I mean, when you got a quarterback as good as him and a, you know, half a billion dollar quarterback, you know, money's tied up in a lot of other places. You got that. You're paying the, one of the best yeah. receivers in the league. You're paying the best tight end. So in that regard, this is a huge letdown for the chiefs. I mean, this was, this was the chance to once again, get back and, uh, and, and get your second super bowl, you know, show people that it wasn't, you know, a fluke or whatever. Um, but you know, the fact that they still got to two and, uh, like you said, four championship games in a row, um, that's impressive. And so you kind of have to take the good with the bad. It's, it's an impressive run. Uh, it's, you know, it's great that they got there, but much like the bills of the nineties, it's like, Hey, you, you didn't, you, your job was to get it done and, and you didn't get it done. So we'll see if they're able to respond to, you know, the good news for them, I guess, is that um, the, they still are the top dogs in the AFC West. They still have a string hole on the division. So you know, for the time being, it looks like uh, they'll be just fine. But, you know, to your point about crediting the Bengals, I mean, I, obviously that defensive front has been really good. Um, you know, that play where Von Bell was able to get the interception in all the time. Um, who was I? Was it Eli Apple that made that play? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who the corner was. Yeah, well, I mean, and Mahomes almost threw the pick six in the first play of that oh, drive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It yeah. was, uh, and and again, that was that was more, you know, Mahomes' fault versus the last one. You know, the second one, the interception was a great play, the actual interception. Play. You know, I, before I talk about the Bengals and them winning this game, my my final thing is, and I and I said it in the in our Facebook Live preview, and I, and I wanted to focus on it here a little bit. You started to touch on it, the legacy for the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, I can only dream, and every fan of any NFL team should dream and hope that your team is in four conference championship games in a row. Absolutely. It is a, that is a luxury that does not happen to other teams, except for right now, like new England Patriots, are the only the ones that can say we have any sort of recent history like that. The only thing that comes close to it were Andy Reid's Eagles, 
from the early 2000s. But even that, you're talking about almost 20 years ago now to get back to. It's an incredible run. But again, it becomes a pressure talk thing. And, and you have to look at it and say, four championship games, two Super Bowl appearances, one win. You know, you can't take anything for granted. And with how tough this AFC is getting, it's going to be really fascinating to see, you know, to have perspective on this. In 10 years, we look back and be like, Mahomes never went back to another AFC championship game. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. think that'll happen. But if it does happen, it you, will, you will look back at this stretch and go, you know what? For the talent they had, the way things panned out, they shot themselves in the foot that first AFC championship game with the penalty, the Gabe Brady, the extended drive, and then the Patriots win. They won their Super Bowl uh, against the Niners, fair and square, in a great game, and Mahomes was terrific late. Deserve all the credit in the world for that game. Uh, they lost that second Super Bowl appearance. You know what? Injuries are a part of the game. It happens. Um, if they were healthy, I don't even know if they win that one because of how good that Tampa team was and, you know, playing at home. And with this one, uh, this is the first one of those three where you say to yourself, you mean, it wasn't a penalty. It wasn't injuries. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl this year because of, of I think, a, a combination of bad play calling and their quarterback not rising to the occasion when historically he has. Now, he's allowed to have one of those. Now, we'll see, is his legacy start to get defined by this or does Patrick Mahomes have the ability to overcome it to once again get back on top of the mountain of the AFC and say, uh, Joe Burrow, Joe, you know, whoever, you know, uh, Josh Allen, whoever, Lamar Jackson, whoever, Justin Herbert, whoever, this is my conference. It's going to be fascinating to watch, you know, in a perspective on it. But um, I also am very excited to see. We talk a lot about this with Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years. Oh, man, Aaron Rodgers is going to go scorched earth. Yeah, you're going to have a motivated Aaron Rodgers. What does a really motivated Patrick Mahomes look like? You know, part of me thinks that Mahomes maybe last offseason, and maybe that's one of the reasons why they, after the slow start, they kept saying all offseason, listen, we just got to fix our tackles. We'll be fine. They did. Maybe they weren't as motivated and as hungry, and they came into the season, they started off slow, and things were choppy, and then they got going. But what what will this offseason look like? I mean, he's heard a ton of talk about his family, a ton of talk about his you know, being like, did it being a dad affect Patrick Mahomes? What was it? A motivated kind of frustrated Patrick Mahomes where he can look in the mirror and say, it was me that didn't play well enough to get it done for my team. That's going to be really fascinating to see uh, in the next year. So it's certainly a storyline to look after. I don't think it's a legacy defining game for Mahomes, but it certainly hurts yeah. his legacy because he has now put himself in the conversation of like Russell Wilson, like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, you know, he's still currently technically playing of the few quarterbacks where it's like, it's just Super Bowl or bust. And that's it. That's your legacy now. It's just Super Bowl or bust. He's in that rare group um, that, you know, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, and Ben Roethlisberger were in, but now they're all gone where that's what they're in. You know, well, it's that's not what I was going to say is like to your point about that legacy. If you would have told any of us, uh, in 2011, that Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben are never getting back to the Super Bowl in the next After 10 that, years. Yeah. Uh, would've, I mean, would've you would have thought you're nuts. You're like, well, yeah. they're going to make it one time at Each least. Each one of them, yeah. Um, and, and the Steelers, they only made one AFC championship in that time. You know, Aaron yeah. at least got close a few times. He's hosted um, it, yeah. But, you're I mean, absolutely just, right. It goes to show how, how freaking difficult it is to get back. I mean, that's what... To me, that's what makes Tom Brady's legacy so incredible. Yes. Is that he did keep getting back. And it's like, that is, 
the greatest of the greats couldn't do it. I mean, it's yeah. so hard. So yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it, it it just goes to show that as great as Mahomes is, there it's not out of the realm of possibility that he yeah. could knock it back. Now for the for the Bengals, I I want to say this. I think there was a couple things that were just so fascinating in this game. As much as we talk about the defense really stepped up and they played incredible in the second half, I don't even care if Mahomes was off and that was Mahomes' fault. If you're a defense that holds the Chiefs to three points in the second half, you deserve credit because um, whether it was also, I think Mahomes was a part of the reason why they struggled, but the defense, they did show different looks in the second half. They stopped giving up the Kelsey plays, those easy uh, middle of the uh, field chunk plays. Uh, they really clamped down. They got after Mahomes. They made it more difficult on him. There was a couple of times where Mahomes were doing that running around magic thing, and then he had that one fumble one at midfield. He had he, a couple plays where you just that the defense made it really difficult on him, and they deserve a lot of credit. But Joe Burrow had two incredible third down run scrambles. Uh, the one where he kind of high stepped, the one he posted on his social media today, yeah. getting out of the grab of, of Chris Jones. An incredible awareness, field awareness to know he had to do that little hitch step as Jones was swiping at the feet. Uh, that's something I wish Justin Fields would learn because Justin Fields got caught so many times from behind this year, not because he's not fast. He's super fast, but just that awareness of where are those guys on the field around you, helping them make that extra thing to make them miss. Uh, Joe Burrow has that. He was electric in those moments. They shut down Jamar Chase. He found T. Higgins. They both, uh, he, they lost their tight end. The Rams lost their tight end in this game. They found other weapons. Joe Mixon, they, they stuck to the running game. Joe Mixon had a, just enough, a couple big, uh, big chunk plays. I mean, credit to the Cincinnati offense. They were down 21 to three. They, they were the team that scored 24 points to three points, uh, you know, from midway through the second quarter to the end of the game. They were the offense that did that. And they deserve credit for that just as much as their defense deserves credit for taking down and, and clamping down on Mahomes. I thought Joe Burrow was great. I thought Zach Taylor never panicked. And you know what? There's something about that rookie kicker, McPherson. He's they no have, good, man. and they have, it's a cocky, not, not like Baker Mayfield cocky, but there's a, a, an arrogance and a cockiness, but it's a, it's not flashy. I don't know what it is, but that Bengals team, they just they just relax. They chill. And this is a weird Bengals team. Remember, they lost to my Bears. They lost to the Jets in this season. But they have found something midway through the season on, and they've turned it on, and, it, and they're riding a wave right now. And that is one of the reasons why they have a legitimate chance to go into L.A. to take on the Rams and win the Super Bowl. Well, I know we'll talk about that, and we're not getting into it now, but Man, oh, man, oh, man, how can you not feel that since he has legitimate chance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've they've overcome odds uh, all throughout this playoff run and really throughout the season, too. I mean, winning the divisions, and most people didn't pick them to win the AFC North. Most people nope. picked them to take fourth in the AFC North this year. Uh, so for them to win the division, that was impressive. Then to go on the road, uh, you know, for multiple games and win those on en route to a Super Bowl, it's, it's impressive. Their first Super Bowl since 1987. They went to two in the 80s, never got back, and, uh, and haven't won one yet either. So there's a lot of, you know, history to be written for Cincinnati. And, I mean, we were talking about it even after that first playoff win, that this has been a huge victory for the yeah. Bengals, even if they lost in the divisional round. We're like, they won the division and then won a playoff game. 
and with a second-year quarterback and a rookie wide receiver and a bad offensive line. I mean, there's so much that's been impressive about this run from this team. And it pains me to say it because they're a bitter rival, but you can't help but, uh, you know, just respect uh, the journey that they've taken. And, you know, Zach Taylor's got to feel a lot of validation right now because there are a lot of question marks about him early. Uh, you know, they're just two years removed from being the, the um, worst team in the league. It's and, crazy. Uh, so it, it's wild that they find themselves here. To your point about McPherson, Field Yates tweeted out yesterday, McPherson's made 12 field goals of 50-plus yards. This is That's the most by a kicker in a single season ever. And he did this as a rookie. I mean, we all know how difficult it is to make your mark as a rookie in the league, period. But a rookie kicker, extremely difficult because of the heightened weight of the moment that kickers are under. And he's not doing it in the dome. He's not like in the A. Right. He's, not, he's yeah. not like on the Colts and he played in the AFC South where it's like two games exactly. in Indy, two games in Houston, a game in Jacksonville where the weather's going to be nice, you know, a game in a game in Tennessee where it's not bad. I mean, since he's a bad weather city, it's a Pittsburgh, it's a Midwest, you know, uh, crazy winds, weather, Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati. I mean, it is impressive. There's a cockiness to it. Congrats to the Bengals. Um, I have strong thoughts on this game already, but we'll save that for later. And for the for the my final point for the Chiefs is I expect the Chiefs to be back and to be to be competitive and to be at right atop of the AFC next year. Uh, but I do think these are this is a stretch that Patrick Mahomes has to overcome now a little bit extra. You know, we talked about it when he lost the Super Bowl. He had a chance when he to beat Brady and to really put the pressure on it. Holy crap. Is Patrick Mahomes going to actually really challenge Brady to greatest quarterback of all time? Now he's got to honestly battle that feeling of Russell Wilson and, 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 uh, and Aaron Rodgers of, okay, he's really talented, but this is a lot like Russell Wilson. Now you win your first, you lose your second. And now you're just not getting it. What, what's going to happen? Like he now is, it's, it's a different echelon, still a hall of fame talent, beginning of a hall of fame career. But now the narrative is a little different for the legacy. He's got plenty of time to overcome it. But as we've pointed out with Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers, all these people with Russell Wilson, got to do it. You got to get back happen. there. You got to do it. Anything can happen. And you're not, you're in a division that's, that's getting better. It's not yeah. getting worse at the, as of right now. Like the Steelers had a decade to own it other than the Ravens. Like the Ravens were in their way, but the Bengals and Browns were terrible. It's yeah. like Pittsburgh had no excuse to not get back. Um, you got Denver with a new coach. Like, we'll see if they get the quarterback right or if they get, you know, an Aaron Rodgers or something, then they're instantly, yeah. we would say, in contention. Uh, the Raiders, kind of a similar situation. New coach. We'll talk about those head uh, hirings. But and, and you got a young head coach and, uh, and a very young, super talented quarterback in Herbert in the division as well. I mean – a lot can happen. You have a lot of obstacles in your way. If you're Mahomes now, it's like the, the target's still on your back, but um, your own you salary cap prove. is going to be an obstacle. You know what I mean? Your own salary right. cap is going to be an obstacle. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Yeah. But it's, it's, in, it's, it's fascinating. Definitely. I will say real quick though, about uh, I really hated the call at the end of the half by the chiefs in the red yeah. zone yeah. to, to not take a, a throw into the end zone. You do a screen pass uh, behind the sticks. And let the clock run out. You don't even take a field goal. Game could have, they, you know, like it could have been a three-point win for them at the end of the day. It's simple. We love the aggression to go for it. Hate yeah. the call. That's it. You don't have. Right. You don't even have to explain it yeah. further. 
take a shot. And then worst thing happens is incomplete. You have one second left, trot out the field goal. No one blames you, but the way, and, and Mahomes, I think he was just not right ever since the, after that play. And, yeah. you know, he's got to find a way to overcome that and he's talented enough to do it. So we should be critical on him for it. I believe it's the second biggest playoff uh, comeback uh, in history. The Bengals were down yeah. 21 to three at one point in this game and come back to win it 27 to 24. Colts Patriots was the other one, AFC championship when the Colts finally overcame the hump. Remember there was that big yeah. fourth and two yeah. stop. And Bill Belichick, and then uh, Peyton Manning. It was the tackle. It was a throw to the flat, right? He didn't want to give it uh, back to Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning got the ball back. Uh, They went on to beat my Bears. Reggie Wayne caught the bobbled pass, right? Yeah. On on that ensuing drive. And that was Peyton's Peyton's, uh, breakthrough to get to the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. Wild stuff there. Obviously, 28-3 to in the Super Bowl for the Patriots, uh, you know, being the other. But this this one uh, specific to just the, uh, the playoffs not the postseason because I guess Super Bowl yeah. is considered postseason. Playoffs are are the others. Um, yeah. Before we get into this other one, Mark, we got to talk about this. Um, KMBC, they are getting roasted, uh, and they local and rightfully TV so at local yeah, TV yeah, station, local Missouri TV station in Kansas City, tweeted out after the game. It's so good. Um, this is just this is our bold strategy of the week because um, yeah, I just don't. Don't see how this worked out for them very good. But I'm going to read you the post that they had. They included a picture. I'll read the picture as well. But the post says, against all odds, in all caps, we were never supposed to be here. We were never meant to make it this far. But against all odds, we did. What a season. Thank you for the incredible ride. We will always be Chiefs Kingdom. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. In, in, incredible like just i don't i was they like, got roasted when i saw it. i was like what they what got roasted they got roasted they deserve to get roasted i get the intention i like i get the whole we just want to support our guys but when you literally are the favorites all season long even when they were three and four they were still i think like yeah. fourth best odds to win the super bowl um still the best to win their division like in vegas like you just can't you have to Someone in their sports department had to be more self-aware to be like, okay, can we make sure we check it with the the sports guys before we yeah, tweet out yeah. whatever the hell we're going to tweet out? I, you know, to me, conversely, I thought, I, I mean, obviously it's just, it's bad. They deserve to get roasted. The funny thing to me was, and I tweeted out, what a, what a great job right now it is to be the Bengals Twitter guy. If you're the person in charge of the Bengals Twitter you have seen it all. You've had to deal sure. with rough, rough times. And now you're sitting there watching the Bengals and you actually get to tweet, we're going to the Super Bowl. That must be like a surreal, like a trip for that guy, the social media people yeah. for the Bengals. That is a surreal moment. And the Chiefs. Especially with like Joe Cool leading oh, yeah. the way. I mean, he he writes it, writes itself almost. Yeah, he makes it easy. Story makes line. It easy. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's a shoo-it, so. Yeah, KMBC. I I get the. Uh, I they were obviously uh, is what I think is they're one of two things. They were either doing this on purpose, knowing how silly it was, just to get uh, to one throw support out there and to get traction, or they really thought that being you know the one and three starter, whatever it was. Yeah, this- thinking that far back that somehow like the the first month of the season was like defining the rest of the year for the team. And somehow they, against all odds, they battle back. 
It's yeah. like, and as you mentioned, like even when they had a losing record still later, they were they were still favored or at least in in the uh, among the best odds to go to the Super Bowl. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty funny stuff. But yeah, if if you haven't go go check out that tweet. Uh everyone's got it at this point. They've all It's like it it's like the it's like they they accidentally hacked the Bengals account. Like the Bengals were ready to tweet that in case the Bengals lost and thought, "Ooh, yeah. we'll just put this over the over uh, Arrowhead Stadium and that'll be good just in case." And it's like, "No, no, 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 no." That was I an mean, intern who's who's going to get a big lashing to. What the <laughs> hell are we doing? See if if they do end up making the Super Bowl in the in the coming years. We're going to be like this is not going away. People are then oh, going to yeah. say if the Chiefs go eighteen and zero next year and get to the Super Bowl, or, or well, I guess it'd be actually uh, you know nineteen and zero get to the Super Bowl. People are going to be like against all odds, they did it, they did it. They <laughs> yeah, nineteen and zero. But Twitter no doesn't expect them to be here. You know, yeah. Twitter doesn't forget this. This is forever for sure. All right, let's get into the nightcap and the final game, uh, NFC West showdown. Uh, the third meeting between the 49ers and the Rams this season. The 49ers got the best of the Rams to this point. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. But it's the Rams that come out on top. A really, you know, it was a good game, Mark. Uh, obviously, there was some sloppiness uh, involved throughout. You know, Skoranek dropped like a wide-open touchdown. Tart. Jimmy G with, you know, that, uh, you know, desperation play at the end. He can't fault him too much. If he's just trying no. to make something happen. I get it. But, um, yeah, just just some weird things. Uh, second half, the 49ers really just took Debo Samuel out of the playbook. I think Weird. that was a huge factor. Um, the, the guy who's been so dominant all season long uh, had o- over 100 yards to that point, or just under 100 yards, I should say. I mean, he was a big factor in their success throughout the game. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it's the Rams that end up winning this one 20-17 by a field goal. Uh, Matt Stafford finally makes it to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, another great game from Cooper Cup. He had 11 catches, 142 he, yards. He's phenomenal. Yards. I mean, the guy, the guy's incredible. Um, your, your thoughts here on maybe why this was different this time around from the regular season where the 49ers really seem to have the Rams number. Well, part of it, what was different is that, again, I just think, talk about legacy, Kyle Shanahan in big moments in postseason play now there, you have to question him. I mean, he was the architect behind 28-3 in the play calling with that with the Falcons. And now you've seen it in the um, – they had that lead against the Chiefs in the, in the Super Bowl, and they, they got tight. And uh, they made mistakes in the fourth quarter to let Patrick Mahomes get, keep getting the ball back and keep scoring to get the Chiefs back into that game and beat them. Um, and you saw it. I mean, the, the final three drives for the, for the Niners, credit to the, the – Rams defense, Aaron Donald and, and Vaughn Miller and Leonard Floyd. And that other guy, the white guy, I can't think of his name right now, Perrine or, uh, uh, the, yeah, the I, deep tackle. I'm forgetting. They kept going to him. He would, they were phenomenal. I mean, they were so good and they were, they were just causing havoc and they were stopping the run. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan's play calling, man, it was just bad. Again, you have a 10 point lead going into the fourth quarter and you lose the game. That's on. That is on your play calling. Your offense was bad in the fourth quarter. All you need to win that game at that point is at least one drive. You need one drive to eat up five to six minutes and a field goal. Like that's it. And you you put all in the pressure on. And now obviously Tart drops. We wouldn't be talking about Shannon as much yeah. if Tart actually take, makes the play off of the Matt Stafford heave 
And listen, that's Matt Stafford to a T. We know it from being yeah. Bears and watching Stafford. He makes decisions like that sometimes. Um, and I, it's like you forget, he forgets sometimes that's not Calvin Johnson down there. Uh, he got really good at just doing that with Calvin Johnson, and Calvin Johnson became a Hall of Famer because of it. Um, but that was a bad, bad decision. But Stafford, in the end, and McVay, in the end, they had the offense that kept drive alive, drives alive. They got that Cooper Cup touchdown when they needed that touchdown, and then two more field goals, and that's it. They win the game. And that, along with the with Aaron Donald and that defensive line stepping up and playing big in that fourth quarter, uh, along with Kyle Shanahan's bad play calling, it just fell apart. And, you know, the Rams are so weird. The Rams are <laughs> – the, uh, sorry, the, the Niners, they are uniquely built over the last three seasons to have gotten to this point and, and to the Super Bowl. But they are also have such a deficiency at times when it comes to, all right, now you need to, now you need to, where's the dog, finish the game, wind it down. And I think part of that is, is, is on Shanahan. And a lot, I think the other part of it's on Jimmy G. I think it's a mix of both. He doesn't 100% trust Jimmy G, and he's right in doing so, but he doesn't 100% trust himself to call the run plays to keep going to Debo Samuel. I mean, the fact that they stopped going to Debo Samuel is a crime enough, let alone they just uh, they just didn't find the offensive rhythm. And this is a team that's built on creative offensive play calling, and even they got a little too cute at times. They did the Trent Williams uh, thing in the backfield again, and tried to then cut back the other way as opposed to just being, just call the play as it is. Um, you know, it was, it's, it's, it's a, it, for me, Kyle Shanahan owns this loss. Patrick Mahomes owns the Chiefs loss. Shanahan owns the Niners loss. They crumbled. They had a 10 point lead. They didn't score. I don't even blame Jimmy G with the interception in the end. Okay, you had to do something. Now you're down. Uh, desperation, but again, that's when you're in a bad spot against a Rams defensive line that is really good at what? Rushing the passer. And you, you let them then say, okay, you got to throw the ball now after your two really bad three-and-out punt drives. Um, uh, now, on the Rams side of it, listen, like I kind of mentioned, I thought Stafford was great in the fourth quarter minus the one Stafford throw, and Tart should have had the interception. But otherwise, he, him and Cooper Cup were fantastic. The Rams, uh, McVay, I thought, called a great fourth quarter. I thought the first half was very much like two championship fighters. They're feeling each other out. They just, they did, no one wanted to make the mistake. They wanted to keep it close. They knew they had to. And then late in the third, into the fourth, it was like, all right, pressure's on now. Who handles the pressure better? The Rams, a uh, uh, defensive line, and Matt Stafford overall handled the pressure way better uh, than Kyle Shanahan and uh, the play calling from the Niners. Yeah, totally agree. And, I, and I'll say, you know, Matt Stafford mentioned it after the game. I mean, they won the line of scrimmage and not in the conventional way of the term in which they just dominated them, pounded the rock. No, but what they did do was completely stymie San Fran. And that's what yeah. you have to do. If you, can, if you can make it so that San Fran doesn't win the line of scrimmage, doesn't mean you're necessarily winning. It's more neutral, but that's a win for you. If you can make the 49ers Agreed. just neutral in that aspect of play, then you're likely going to win because you have Stafford, you have explosive uh, playmakers outside of um, the quarterback and or one wide receiver a la Debo Samuel. 
you know, the 49ers rushed the ball 20 times. Pretty low for that team. Agreed. What we've seen over the years. I think that was the biggest win is they made them kind of adjust how they played and they took them off of their game while the Rams kind of seemed much more comfortable throughout the game with what they were doing. They didn't seem to panic very much. That was a big difference. And I think that defensive front that you mentioned is, uh, you know, what I think going into the next week's prediction segment is going to be a big thing in, in terms of how I'm viewing this matchup in the Super Bowl. Agreed. Because now we're talking about one of the best defensive lines in the playoffs against one of the worst offensive lines in the playoffs. So that, that, that should be an interesting um, narrative going into the Super Bowl. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm happy for Matt Stafford. I really am. And I know you as a Bears fan, even, you know, over the years, you're like, you, you even agreed, like, he's a really likable guy. Oh, yeah. Talented dude, you know, fights hard. I'm happy for him. I'm glad he got there. It sucks that Robert Woods can't be playing in the game with yeah. them. But, uh, you know, such is life. And, um, you know, OBJ, you know, was OBJ was Browns big. earlier this year. And he's been big to uh, to their success down the stretch. OBJ was big in this game. Uh, you know, you got to wait on the health of Higby. And then yeah. what is the tight end for the Bengals? I can't think of his name. Uz- yeah, CJ Uzama. Uzama. Uh, uh, Uzama. That didn't look too good. <laughs> they both could miss the starting tight ends. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a factor for the game. I agree. I feel great for Matt Stafford. I, my, my heart, you know, this is, again, I don't want to get too much into the preview for the game, but I'll just say to me so much of these last, when you get down to these last four games, you know, championship weekend into the Super Bowl, these last three games, I should say, legacies are written and defined. And and I'm going to focus big time on that and what it means for these legacies for these both these quarterbacks and these organizations going into the Super Bowl. But I will say, um, for again, to, to put a button on it, my thoughts on the NFC Championship game, Kyle Shanahan isn't going anywhere, and he's a great coach. But there is the narrative on Andy Reid for so long of his career before he won the big game was what? Time management. And right. he never managed time well. Well, he's kind of turned that around, and we don't talk about that as much. And as he's gotten older, and with Patrick Mahomes, it's not as much of a narrative, but the narrative on Kyle Shanahan right now is this dude is elite as his elite gets at designing plays, scheming, uh, finding offensive coordinators, finding defensive coordinators, creating a culture, but good God, does he fold under the pressure of play calling in the fourth quarter? It's almost like someone has to take Kyle Shanahan and say, I need you to I need you to to script the final three drives of the game like you script the first three right. the first drive of the game and then I don't care what happens in the game just do those plays like trust your brain trust what got you there and he just I don't seem kin to do it now what's fascinating for the Niners going forward and I know we'll talk about in the offseason is this is why you drafted Trey Lance and now is is it Trey Lance going to be able to be that guy who you can say you know what yeah, I'm comfortable and with a two minutes left, going five wide, spreading things out, and letting my big arm athlete quarterback make these plays because you don't do that with Jimmy G. So now we'll see what this new version of the Niners look like going forward. And for Jimmy G, he certainly earned himself a starting job in the league next year, whether that's with San Francisco again, if they want to keep sitting Trey Lance, whether that is in Indianapolis. Hello, Indy, make the call, figure it out. A guy who you can manage the game, not turn the ball over, run the ball, great offensive line. In domes, 
you know, wherever it may be, Jimmy G has certainly got himself a job next year. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, he's a guy that's won a lot of games. So you, you can't, at the end of the day, you have to factor that into account. Yeah. Um, his play hasn't been spectacular, but uh, he's a guy that can win football games, and that's valuable in the National Football League. for George sure. Kittle loves him as a locker room guy. And if, and if yeah. you know Kittle's the type of guy that everyone would love in their locker room, so yeah. if he's vouching for Jimmy G in that way and he really does stand behind him, then that that alone should tell you that the, the guys in the locker room respect him, They they that he could galvanize. If you bring him in for a two-year contract to kind of reset your franchise, whether it's with the Steelers, a football team, a Colts, whatever it may be, and now he's dealt with the young quarterback coming in as well, that, that he could handle it and help you win games along the way. Just guys being dudes, right? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's Jimmy G for well, you, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Mark. Let's kind of get into uh, some of the the news from this past week uh, as we you know uh, launch ourselves into this next week and uh, get ready for next week's preview. Um, Tom Brady announced his retirement, or well, he didn't. Att- I shouldn't say he announced Schefter his retirement. and Darlington. I say Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington announced his retirement. Look, I, I think at the end of the day um, that, and, and, and I, I think this is what most people are thinking at this point is it was just the timing that Tom had issue with. And so I think what happened was after their initial report came out, Tom had his PR team and his uh, close inner circle of people, you know, play down the reports so that he can own it. And I totally respect that, by the way. I agree. I, I think a guy that's done as much as he has, has earned the right to break his own uh, retirement. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm at this point fairly convinced uh, that those reports are accurate and he will be hanging up the cleats. So your thoughts on, uh, on just his retirement, I mean, we could do, you know, five episodes on. And Tom we will Brady, do an episode this summer sure on Tom Brady. I, I'll say this in, in short, in short, I'll say this. I completely agree. I'm sure the word started leaking to certain people like, Hey, ESPN, get your tribute videos ready. Hey, you know what I mean? Like this is coming and, and, and you know what, but I'm sure it was part of that was like, do whatever you, whatever you do, Tom has to own this news. And if you're Schefter and Darlington, those guys are big enough names. So they feel like, you know what? I want to break the story. It's worth it to get my name out there for the branding. And, uh, but I agree with you. It's going to be on his social, his account, and it'll in the coming weeks will happen. Um, uh, listen, my, my initial thoughts is when it does officially happen, Tom Brady, in my opinion, is the greatest football player of all time. Uh, he is the greatest team sport athlete um, with Michael Jordan of all time. Like they are one and one a put them either way. It doesn't matter to me, but team sport athletes, they are, uh, they are great. And, and a large part of it is they both come from that chip on the shoulder, humble beginnings. Now, now I get it. Jordan was drafted two overall, Brady end of it. But Jordan had that, you know, not highly, highly recruited, didn't start right away in high school. Uh, there's something that drives them beyond. Um, and uh, and uh, listen, I think Tom Brady, to me, if I had to build a Mount Rushmore of the four major sports in American, uh, uh, you know, American society, baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, if you have to choose one athlete from each thing, he is the football player I put on that Mount Rushmore. Um, it's just how I feel right now. And and maybe someone makes a better argument for a, a, a Jerry Rice or a, you know, a, a, Joe, a Jim Brown 
I'd be willing to listen. But for me, he is that face I'd put on that Mount Rushmore. We already see when I would talk about with Mahomes, how hard it is to do. Tom Brady's did in his career. And, uh, and uh, he is uh, something special. And I think a hundred percent, the career is over the timing. He just is going to want to own it. Like big Ben got his release, his own video before then everyone started running with the story. Tom wants that. I think he'll get that in that way, but uh, it certainly was a little sullied uh, from uh, Shefty and Darlington. Yeah. I think, um, you know, if you had your like Jerry West, like you were saying, like the Jerry West silhouette for the NBA, uh, if you had to have some sort of uh, shadow silhouette, it's got to be Tom Brady there. Maybe it's him holding up the four. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, against the Bears, hundred no, percent agree. Uh, the greatest of all time. I, you know, I know a lot of people are throwing Lawrence Taylor in there, saying he's got to be the the greatest football player ever. I just, I, I don't see how you can make the comparison. He not only plays the most important position uh, in the most, um, you know, uh, highly touted sport, and the uh, most pressure-packed he, position in sports. Yes. And the most required, you know, Lawrence Taylor required physical abilities and not to downplay, like, obviously he had to be a, a good study and, and no defense or offenses and, and uh, their type of tendencies. Agreed. But the knowledge that Tom brought to the, to the stadium day in and day out, I mean, he knew what the cornerback was supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's next level type of stuff. He transcend transcended everything uh, about what it means to play the sport. Uh, and what it means to to be an athlete uh, in, in changing times. I mean, the his ability to adapt over the years, but still maintain. Like he he's the ultimate guy that could play a hundred years ago and can probably yeah. play in whatever the league will look like a hundred years from now. Agreed. And uh, that's that's pretty impressive. I feel like few players can really like you know be able to do that. And and he's certainly one of those for sure. Yep. Agreed. Hundred um, percent. You, you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, so let's talk about that real quick. And, uh, you know, these are things, obviously, in the offseason we'll be able to reflect more on that. But he, he of course, announced his retirement as well. Everyone saw it coming. He released the video, um, you know, and and cutting it, uh, calling it quits after 18 seasons uh, in the league. Uh, dude's got a lot of wins. Uh, you know, he's top 10 all time in almost, you know, every category. Uh, fifth most passing yards. Um, you know, fifth most uh, completions, uh, just all of that stuff. You know, he's got the two Super Bowl wins, uh, one Super Bowl loss, a uh, lot of playoff wins in there too. Um, 92 wins at Heinz Field, which is the yeah. second most at a single venue. It's, you know, he's got a lot of stuff uh, to it. He does, he feels like one of those guys, Mark. And, uh, you know, I know it could be Homer-ish, so I'm, I'm interested to, to see where your take on it is. But I, I do feel like throughout his career, he never got the credit he deserved for the things he did, whether it be, you know, it's always the Steelers develop great wide receivers. And that's partly true, but like, how does he not get credit for what AB became or what, uh, you know, Mike Wallace was, or even, you know, Heinz Ward, uh, the last, you know, six years of his career, it's just, you know, he was so good and did it so uniquely that I think his legacy has staying power that maybe some other quarterbacks like a Drew Brees, for instance, may not have as much because of how he played the game. I mean, he had a couple signature things in his career, you know, Drew Brees, signature thing was accuracy, but that's kind of general, you know, uh, Ben's signature was a pump fake. He had the greatest pump fake of all time. And uh, you know, his unique ability to extend plays using his size and shrugging people off 
not much his elusiveness. Your thoughts on on his legacy and kind of where he'll um, where he'll fit and and stand the test of time, I guess in that regard. Well, where he'll fit is in Canton, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, as well, in my opinion. You know, to me, he, I I compare him. He's a lot like to me. He's like the Brian Erlacher of of like middle linebackers, where Erlacher is one of those people where you say to yourself. Man, when he was in his prime prime, there's not many people who could really do what he did. But overall, did he do enough consistently to say he's the greatest of all time? No, he didn't. And I love Erlacher to death as a Bears fan. He's, to me, the greatest Bear of my lifetime in, you know, in watching football um, and, and being a Bears fan. Um, you know, not having to see Walter Payton and all and, and, and people like that, you know. Um, he's, he's very, very similar, like physically beyond gifted. You didn't see a linebacker who was six, five, who could, uh, run like he did like a safety, you know, and then Ben was the same way. Big quarterbacks were immobile. Ben was supremely mobile early in his career, but you also have to give big Ben a ton of credit. I know he didn't win the big games for the last decade of his career. He wasn't even really in many of the big games for the last decade of his career. He wasn't in an NFC, AFC championship game for a lot of those years, but they was surrounded by a, in the last 10 years of his career, you're dealing with the greatest quarterback of all time in Peyton man uh, in Tom Brady. You're dealing with the second greatest quarterback of all time in Peyton Manning. You know, yeah. you have young up and coming quarterbacks, uh, a, a Andrew Luck, uh, and then a, a Patrick Mahomes. There was a lot to deal with. He had to deal with the dysfunction of his own organization and players like an AB, a Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, he, he um, had a defensive coach, a great defensive coach, a Hall of Fame coach, uh, but not, you know, wasn't wasn't constantly surrounded by, you know, uh, a new innovative offensive things. Ben, ben Roethlisberger's signature plays also involved accuracy. That throw to San Antonio Holmes to win the Super Bowl, sure. that is one of the most impressive no throws you will ever see in a highlight reel. So, to me, he's the Brian Urlacher of, of quarterbacks, a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Surefire. Just the epitome of a great player for one team, for an iconic franchise, and played the game at times at the highest level of his career. But also during his time, yeah, he, you'd argue he was always like the second best or maybe the third best, you know, in his in his prime. And, you know, he had the one year where it's like, dude, he's the best. Urlacher broke through defensive play of the year in 06, led to them. The reason the Bears made that Super Bowl run in 06 was Brian Urlacher in his prime just being absolutely incredible. Uh, the Bears are who we thought they were because of that. And I don't mean to be ranting on Erlacher, but that's my way to equate it to Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, the last part of this career, kind of a disappointment, but he still put up insane numbers. He transitioned in an NFL from being a guy who was hand the ball off, play defense, to being a guy who threw for 5,000 yards over and over and over again and 30-plus and, and touchdowns over and over and over again. Um, he is, uh, an incredible talent. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback of all time, but if someone wanted to make the argument that he is a fringe 10 and you, and if he was in your like nine, 10 range, I don't know if I'd argue because I do think big Ben would succeed in the previous NFL where it was way yeah. more physical, but I don't know if big Ben could succeed in the NFL prime big Ben 15, 20, 30 years from now. I don't know what that looks like and how the game is evolving uh, because he wasn't as mental of a player. He didn't treat his body as well. He had things that, for overall, didn't make him the goat of goats or in that conversation, but he's an all-time great player.
Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think um, we're pretty in line on that. And, you know, we'll go, go over uh, a lot of these players' legacies later on this offseason and kind of, you know, dig a little deeper into the weeds of these. But, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you know, highlight reels are something I, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching. I mean, I'll do that oh, yeah. all the time. And I've always said I, I don't think anyone has as um, amazing of a highlight reel overall than Troy Polamalu. He's always been, to me, the greatest highlight reel ever. Walter Payton has been right there, too. Barry. Um, but, man, Big Ben's, I mean, I was looking at, you know, I was just, you know, watching a lot of stuff. And, man, he the, some of the plays he made, it's just um, – it is incredible. So, yeah, it's it's cool to, to look back and uh, – looks a lot different than what he looked like in 2019 to today. But, Agreed. Um, we got some uh, hirings to go over here. Uh, just a few uh, NFL head coaches, uh, new NFL head coaches to join the league. Uh, we know that Josh McDaniels is going to be Hail. the Las Vegas Raiders' next head coach. And they just recently – um, uh, locked up Zeigler. I, I'm, I'm forgetting his first name, so I need to find that real as their general manager. Um, but you know, I didn't realize that McDaniel's was really going to be one of those candidates coming into this circle, just because he has been over the years, Mark, and in the last you know five or so years, he hasn't bit on really any of them outside of the Indianapolis one that was. You know, we we thought he was gonna, you know, be their their next coach, uh, but other than that, it's been pretty quiet. And it seemed like maybe he was just gonna be the successor to Bill Belichick. But instead, now, I mean, this is a pretty good spot for him to be in. He he comes back to the AFC West for one. Yeah. Uh, didn't have success in Denver. Didn't have a quarterback though, really, in Denver. So uh, he gets Derek Carr. We we all think he's a, a, a definitely above average quarterback. One of the better quarterbacks in the league. And um, a team that's ascending. So, I mean, what what were your like initial reactions hearing the news that Josh McDaniels is heading over to uh, Las Vegas? Two main thoughts, and I'll throw it back to you. First was this was again an investment from the Raiders and saying Derek Carr's our guy, and we're going to get a Derek Carr deal done, and we're not going to entertain the idea because a lot of people we floated out there. Could the organization just kind of move on from him? He's contracts up. What do you do? How much do you pay him? And I think if you're Derek Carr, now it's now it becomes the time of okay, what do you ask for versus you know, you know, you are the savior of that franchise. You deserve money, but you already got paid really well. And now is it about winning? And you know, if Derek Carr can take less and get on another just like twenty-five to twenty-eight million dollar deal a year range, I mean, like that's incredible value for Derek Carr. Like we talked about kind of with Ryan Tannehill. But I think we all agree he's got a higher ceiling than Tannehill. And I think he's got to be ecstatic about Josh McDaniels coming over. I, I really do. Um, but for McDaniels, listen, Vegas is attractive. There's no state tax in Nevada. You have that beautiful stadium. It's a free agent destination. And really, you know, you're in a, you're in a conference now, that, at a division that is all just about, all right, can you score with Herbert? Can you score with Mahomes? And uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And I'd say the other thing that I thought about, and maybe this is reading too much into the tea leaves, does this is this Josh McDaniels after a year of Mac Jones going? Listen, that's all I can. That's the juice I can squeeze out of that orange. And I point, don't, yeah. I don't want to be blamed for when defenses now figure out this is all we can do with this kid, and we don't elevate it. And I, I you know, this isn't my choice. I didn't draft him. I want out. So we'll see. It's going to be 
really interesting. All the people were very high in Mac Jones and deservedly so. He had the best rookie season by far of any of the rookies. But now it's Mac Jones learning a new offensive system in, you know, year two. So uh, it'll be really interesting. Yeah. And um, so it was Dave Ziegler or Ziegler. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but the Patriots executive as well that they're able to to bring along as their general manager. So it's interesting because we talked about how general managers, typically you hire them, they're going to be making the hire. This one seemed to be, you know, whether it's Mark Davis or who else in the Raiders organization that was like, we want Josh McDaniels. Now who's a GM that will get on board with Josh McDaniels? Yeah. Well, it's going to be the guy in new England that's been with him. Uh, that, so, so it seems like they're bringing in a, a pairing, um, that at least has working knowledge together. And, uh, you know, that seems to be a good thing, at least for, for the start, but it's kind of a wait and see approach with McDaniels, right. Uh, for us, because we haven't, we haven't seen him do it as a head coach. Um, really. So, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's almost like we give him a mulligan for that one. We'll, we'll kind of, you know, not now, if you can't, find success with Derek Carr, a team that almost made the playoffs this year, despite so much adversity. Well, they made the you playoffs know, and lost to the Bengals. And, or I'm sorry. Yeah, of course yeah, they made the playoffs. They almost didn't, but uh, yeah, made the playoffs um, in that seventh seed, uh, six seed to, um, to, to overcome all of, all of what happened. So yeah, impressive stuff there. And um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they're able to kind of build on that momentum. So um Moving on to the New York Giants, who got themselves Mr. Brian Dayball. Obviously, he was a hot-button item this, uh, well, I guess you can't really say this offseason, but the past, you know, three weeks, uh, done a lot of interviews for the job. I know he was, a, you know, a big candidate, someone that was on your radar for the Bears job. Yep. Um, but here he goes uh, with uh, Mark Mara. And, uh, or yeah, so in New York, he's staying in state, kind of. And I know they play in New Jersey. Uh, staying in state inherits um, Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what happens with this because if if they were tied to Daniel Jones, um, I, I'm not sure I see Fowler uh, Dable being interested as much in this job. So I'm wondering if they're giving him the leeway to say like, let's see how he works for a year, but then we'll kind of let you go off of it. Or if they were like, hey. Daniel Jones is our guy and we're bringing you in to fix him. What, what do, what do you think uh, kind of played out in that scenario? I think it's, I think it's that Dable was had assurances that listen, you don't have to make Daniel Jones into anything. I think the New York Giants is going to be extraordinarily aggressive this off season. I think you're going to see them throw multiple picks. They have multiple first round picks. I think you're going to see them throw the woodshed at Seattle, try and lure Russell Wilson away. I think you're going to see them be aggressive, maybe even with Aaron Rodgers. I think you're going to see them get extraordinarily aggressive in the whatever veteran quarterback market is out there. Uh, and I think then you'll see them say, listen, if it doesn't work, let's use our two first round draft picks on really good players because we're a team that just needs good players. And we'll go after a quarterback again next year. Uh, you know, now if if all of a sudden miracles happen and Danny Dimes becomes incredible under Dayball's system. We'll see. I don't know, but I, I don't think Dable would have taken the job if it was, hey, you're coming in here to fix Danny Dimes. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, you know, they brought Joe Sh- uh, Shane in um, to be their, you know, new GM as well. That seemed, you know, like uh, throughout the league, 
I, I'd never heard of the guy. Um, so I don't know much about him. I, I can't really give much uh, no, yeah. on that hire, but from what uh, a lot of people are talking about throughout the league, you, I mean, he was the assistant GM for the bills the past four years. We've obviously seen the draft classes they've been able to put together that at least uh, resume uh, bodes well for the New York giants. It's a big market. I think Dable kind of fits that a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how it works. I think yeah. already we can tell it feels, it feels more, I hate, I don't want to like use this disparagingly, but like it feels a lot more professional than the Joe judge and the, you know, Gettleman regime. I don't know. Like, that's just kind of how it feels to me. It feels yeah. more right. You know, and if you're Dable, you feel, you feel to yourself, this is the easiest division maybe to come in and make a mark in. You know what I mean? Um, sure. I, I, I have a point. feeling, you know, I have a feeling it's not the Dable. I, to me, I have a feeling the Dable met with Chicago under courtesy, but said, I don't want the job. You know what I mean? I think there's, I think there's things that came up with him and other jobs as well. Cause he was kind of the guy that he met with Minnesota, he met with everyone and he, he, if New York must've had the best pitch and maybe it's just staying closer to home and maybe not wanting to necessarily move all the family right now. Maybe that played into it, but I think if you're New York, probably offered the sweetest deal. They got the draft picks, and maybe they gave him some assurances about something. But I like to hire for the Giants because I think he's I think he's going to be a winning head football coach. Yeah, the uh, couple big hires there for John Mara. I said Mark Mara, John Mara of the uh, of the New York Giants. Let's go to the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett. They end yeah. up getting the offensive coordinator from the Packers. Uh, it seems like a good move. Obviously, you know, moving off of Vic Fangio, heavy defensive mind to um, heavy offensive mind, someone that's uh, you put together some really good offenses with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur um, in Green Bay. And now he kind of gets uh, the keys and uh, they're, they're telling him, you know, this is your ship here. So um, interested to see what happens. Obviously with Denver, their biggest thing has been the quarterback. So I'm not sure how much success we can forecast for Hackett early on uh, with Drew Locke at the helm. But if Hackett has a good working relationship with Aaron Rodgers, perhaps this is a hire that they said, this is going to help us get Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? But um, I think that's going to be the biggest tell is, is what are they going to be able to do at quarterback? Um, but Hey, I think it's interesting. Um, and they got a guy that is innovative, uh, young, and has a, a good offensive mind. So I think they're going in the right direction with this hire. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I you know, they they see the writing on the wall in their own. Again, you have to look at your own division. We need to be able to score. We need to be better offensively, and um, and and so hopefully they can. Uh, th this hire with Hackett can help them get to that level. But again, you know, if you're Hackett, you don't ha you don't necessarily have the hottest name as Dable. You maybe don't have the demands he did, but. I'd be very interested to hear what they told him as far as this is what we're thinking with the quarterback position. Cause again, I could see them being very aggressive, wanting to throw the sink at certain things. And, uh, uh, but I also could see them saying, listen, we're not going to judge you after a year. If we just have to piece this together for a year and then go to the draft or do whatever, wait for another year for Aaron to become available. We'll give you those assurances as well. So we'll see excited, uh, excited for the, the Broncos because it kind of, if the Broncos, if you're a Broncos fan, you have been frustrated by offense the last, you know, since Peyton Manning left and yeah. you won that Super Bowl. So this is at least you saying, all right, 
We're investing in offense, and that's got to feel exciting if you're a fan. The Chicago Bears, uh, well, they got someone from Green Bay as well. They got the quarterback's coach, uh, Getze. Um, but the bigger news, obviously, is they replaced Ryan and Matt with Ryan and Matt and Ryan Poles and um, Matt Eberflus of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, their defensive coordinator. Yeah. And I'll give you the floor, man. I, I know we've, we've talked about these candidates before. Um, but maybe start with polls. Like what, what was your, what were your thoughts on him? And then ultimately him deciding on Eberflus over some of those other candidates. Like we knew Dan Quinn was a top, uh, option as well. Well, what I love about full uh, polls, excuse me. And I think it was a good hire is the fact that he is a guy that has spent literally now almost 13 years with the one organization, seeing how it's run from bad GMs to good GMs. And he worked his way up in an organization. So think about how many, you know, there was the John Dorsey era with the Chiefs, and that changes it. And the Chiefs, you know, had some struggle years before the Alex Smith years and the Patrick Mahomes years, but he was a part of that. By the time they were drafting Patrick Mahomes, he was one of the heads of player personnel and scouting. He's also a former, uh, very good college offensive lineman, played for Boston College with Matt Ryan, and uh, actually had a cup of coffee in the league. The Bears signed him as an undrafted free agent. So I kind of like that, a little bit of story to that. But what I love about this hire versus the Ryan Pace and these eras, the, what has the Bears' problem been? Is you keep having guys like your owner, McCat George McCaskey, uh, saying and uh, Ted Phillips saying, "We're not football guys. We're uh, we're business guys and we're fans." So you hire a guy who's a football guy. He he played the game at the at the highest level, even if it was just for a cup of coffee, and he and he uh, scouted the game and he's been scouting the game and players for 13 years with a really solid organization. So that's exciting. And he is an offensive lineman. What would we, we've been frustrated yeah. with years for pace about his inability to just commit to drafting and fixing the offensive line. And he is a guy that comes from a scouting background, taking guys from college and finding nuggets and developing them and putting them in a system. Ryan pace focused way too much on throw money at Jimmy Graham or, you know what I mean? And, and 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 make bad decisions of throwing money at, at Foles and Andy Dalton. Cohen or, you yeah. know, like this is a guy who's going to look consistently towards the draft and value the draft and value scouting uh, and understanding that, hey, I'm an offensive lineman. I'm going to value the offensive line. So I love that. What I didn't love about how then quickly Eberflus was hired, I wish that uh, Poles would have gotten to just go through all of the candidates to talk to Brian Dable, to talk to Flores, some of the other big-name coaches that we were excited about. Um, but what that, what that leads me to believe is that when full, when Poles was hired and the organization was honest with Poles, saying, listen, either we really, really, really absolutely X these guys off for this reason and these reasons alone, or they knew from inside sources saying, listen, they told us thanks, but no thanks, no matter who you hire as a GM. So it, and when it came down to polls, looked at the top three candidates that were interested in the job and that the Bears were interested in, in Caldwell, Quinn, and Eberflus. And of those, Eberflus and, and Caldwell, I liked a lot more than Dan Quinn. I, I was been not sold on Dan hmm. Quinn, um, mainly because Quinn is a retread of a defensive guy who seems to just thrive at the coordinator position where he can turn his hat backwards and not have to deal with the media, not have to deal with the offensive issues. Think about how many bad offensive uh, 
coordinators they hired in Atlanta after, you know, running through that bad 28 to three loss, uh, you know, that, that Dan Quinn lost control of that organization. And that to me, I know you can learn things from that, but when you're a bears organization that needs a positive, stable voice and needs someone to come in there and, and lead, I didn't, I just never trusted Dan Quinn from that on. And he may go somewhere and eventually be great. And he may make me look like an idiot, but I never had the faith in that. Jim Caldwell did it. He took the Lions through the playoffs twice. And Matt Stafford and that Lions organization loved having him. He was a solid voice. He was an off, he's offensive lovey Smith. He's solid. He's smart. He's buttoned up. He's an adult in the room who you would respect. So I could have done that. I could have, I could have gotten behind that. Eberflus, I just what I didn't love about him in in uh, in last week, but I'm now convincing myself more of is the fact that you know what he's a little bit unknown, and he's been with Indy for not a short time since 2018, and this is the first cycle that he's really his names come up. So what? Why not last year? Why not the year before when their defenses were good the past couple of years? Uh, what what took so long for him to become a hot name? And maybe it's just the way the NFL works. You want to give a guy a couple of years to earn it. But he's 51. He's relatively young. He played college football at the highest level at Toledo. He immediately got into coaching from there. Uh, and he's been a part of really good winning and and uh, where he's been as far as improving teams. I like the idea that he's coming in is going to go to a 4-3 because I think Quinn and Mac at their ages and their careers, just rushing the passer and not having to worry about dropping back in coverage is exactly what they need. I think that they are going to look to hopefully the new regime looks to prioritize getting Hicks to retire as a bear on a team friendly deal. We're getting maybe repairing the relationship with Allen Robinson. I think Roquan Smith will thrive in the modern four, three, even though he's a little undersized compared to Darius Leonard. So I like all of that. I really, really do. Um, I'm excited for it, but overall I've come to we terms. With, I've come to terms with, and I, and, and Getsy I'm excited about because you, uh, I, you have a feeling he'll be given the keys, and and he comes from the Shanahan McVay tree. And if that means I'm going to watch a Bears team next year that prioritizes great defense and and unique running schemes with their really good running backs, sign me up. I'll put my name on the dotted line for that. Um, but again, I have come to the realization with this Bears organization is that they are flawed from the top. Uh, and I don't know if this regime is going to be able to do like what any other regime before them couldn't do since the 1985 Bears, which is overcome dysfunction at the top of the organization and prove that they can produce a consistent winning football team. All I want from my Chicago Bears is for them to be like, dude, that Bears offense is so good. You got to go hire Matt Getze or whatever his name is. You know, someone so Getze. Like, that's what I want. I want that to be my problem. I want it to be like, got to find a new old coordinator because that Bears offense was so good. That is a phrase we have never said in the history of the Chicago Bears organization. Yeah. So I want that to happen. And Adam Gase got the job because the Bears offense was good. Like, and he was a disaster. So I want that to be the problem for the Chicago Bears. Um, if it is, we'll see. We'll, we'll address that problem when it gets to that. But I, I need a culture, and I need a, I need a, a, a coach that will talk to their players, I'll return their Zoom calls. Apparently, Matt Nagy wasn't doing that. So, uh, and I like that my the leader of my ship is a football guy, 
not a numbers, uh, uh, you know, and uh, organizational guy. Because it, it seems as though Ryan Poles, he's a big dude. You don't mess with him. He's young. And, uh, and hopefully he'll look at George in the eye and say, hey, George, remember how you continue to say you're not a football guy? I'm a football guy. Let me do my job. Yeah, and that's all you can ask for. But I agree. Pivoting to that type of um, to that type of regime might be the way to go. So yeah, it's a wait and see approach. Obviously, we'll see kind of what they're able to do with this draft. Um, but so far, shaping up to have a uh, a staff put together that so far, uh, you know, has has certainly some positives there. Uh, finally, Mark, as we close out the show, Sean Payton, you know, surprisingly, yeah, called it quits. I mean, what what was your uh, initial reaction. Uh, I, it certainly took me off guard. I did not anticipate it, but now looking back on it, I think a lot of it makes sense. Actually. I completely agree. It was caught off guard, but it makes sense. And anyone who wants to be mad at Sean Payton for doing this, listen, the new Orleans saints were a dumpster fire of a franchise for the whole existence until Sean Payton and Drew Brees showed up. They gave you 15 to uh, 16 incredible years uh, where you were a part of a winning organization uh, an organization that had some controversies, uh, an organization, though, that had a Super Bowl victory and were always there in the playoffs and 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 contending for an NFC championship. And uh, he now has a right, I think, to say, I need a change of scenery. Listen, we went all in the past couple of years with me and Drew Brees. Drew's gone. I can't do this now on my own. You need to reset. Let's reset. Good luck to you. And I think he'll take a year, maybe two off. He'll wait for the Cowboys job to open. He'll do something like that. He'll pick his next job. He'll be back in the NFL. And uh, you know what? Saints fans, I don't think they should get mad at him for doing it uh, because they're leaving him when he's down. But the Saints need a reset. Let him reset, purge the organization, purge the contracts, uh, get uh, out of cap hell, uh, get out of Michael Thomas and his whininess and say, we're going to reset. We had a great run on our own kind of very mirroring the Steelers and, and uh, you know, the AFC version of the Steelers in a lot of ways didn't win maybe as much as you thought they should. And now uh, Tomlin's in this weird spot, kind of like, uh, you know, he's going to get his chance to, to see the organization through it. But uh, I think uh, Peyton has every right to say, I, I don't need to be a part of this. We went all in on me and breeze and breeze isn't here. And now I'm not here. I hope to see him in the uh, booth. Uh, sooner rather than later, because I think he'll be a gem uh, as an analyst or, uh, you know, in some capacity for sure. So that would be really exciting to to see what he does. And, you know, he left the door open for coaching in the future. He may very well come back, uh, you know, sooner rather than later in that respect. But that should do it for this episode. I'm really excited uh, as we get ready for the Super Bowl preview. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to just give, let's give our audience a little teaser. I, I feel comfortable saying this right now today. What is your just quick gut feeling on, on the Super Bowl 56? Uh, just, you know, take a minute or two. I'll take a minute or two. Gut feeling. My gut feeling is the Rams are going to win it. I think that defensive line is going to be overpower the Bengals offensive front. And, um, you know, when they could have maybe overcome some of those things in the past with, deep shots to Jamar chase. I just think the Ramsey chase matchup that we're likely to see, uh, even if it's 50, 50, they're going to need, you know, chase to win, you know, 80, 20 for it to eat balance out. What, uh, what I think is going to be a pressure packed, uh, evening or afternoon, uh, for Joe Burrow and company, not unlike the Titans game 
uh, just a couple weeks ago. So those are my, that's my initial thought on it. Um, but I don't think it's going to be an absolute like onslaught either. I mean, I, I could see it being, you know, 30 to 20, 30, 21, something like that. Um, but I do think the Rams also having been there in recent years, I think Sean McVay might bring a little bit um, more preparation into this game, anticipating uh, kind of what to expect from the moment and them being in their home stadium and being in LA, being already in an atmosphere where you're surrounded by media constantly. I don't think they'll get caught up in any of it. So those are my initial thoughts on that. Zach Taylor of the Sean McVay tree. Remember a couple of years ago, all those guys get hired who just yes. had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay. Um, I will say this. I completely agree. My initial gut feeling is man. Oh man. Oh man. Aaron Donald. If you could find a good odds on him to be the Super Bowl MVP. I think he is one of those guys that is so like, I got back here. I'm not letting this chance to, to like, he honestly could yeah. win the Super Bowl MVP. Like he's that oh, yeah, special he, he of a player. Did. Uh, Von Miller, the same way is a guy that, you know, his numbers are hall of fame worthy or close to it. But if he can go out with another, um, he was the Super Bowl MVP when they won. So if he can go out with another, like two sack Super Bowl performance, um, and he win another ring, like these are, it's, it's a big, big legacy game for all those guys. But I do think what will keep this game really close. And we'll expand on this next week is the pressure is on the Rams. And I mean, they're the team that I worry about getting tight and they're the team that I worry about uh, the lights and, and everything just feeling that like that extra drip of sweat versus this fucking Bengals team, man. They're out at bars. <laughs> they're out saying no chance we should be here right now. Whatever happens, happens. Let's go win this bleeping thing. And I think that is an attitude that over the next two weeks will really serve them well. Uh, right now, my gut says Rams. We'll see how we feel in a week from now. Definitely. Definitely. Things can change. Uh, so we're, I'm excited for that, that we'll have a lot to talk about and, um, and kind of get into the nitty gritty of this matchup. That is legacy away, less than two weeks away. Legacy. Oh, yeah. We're talking legacies next week. That's right. That's right. Will Matt Stafford get his first ever ring in his borderline hall of fame career? Uh, and will Joe Burrow, <laughs> be the next Mahomes uh, when yep. none of us expected it to happen this quickly. Impressive stuff and a lot of storylines to go through as well. Stay safe as always, everyone. You can always hit us up on Twitter, Facebook for uh, all of that uh, good stuff, whether or not you want to interact with your picks as well. But we'll be on there uh, monitoring stuff as the week continues. And we'll see you back here next Monday.